Hello and welcome to your daily dose of commentary. Today we start with a topic. Is Wikipedia just a massive grift? This was an interesting thing that got people up in arms. From Yasen. Holy fuck is Wikipedia one massive grift. This are the salaries of executives at Wikimedia in 2021. Mind you, it's about doubled since, but they don't publish breakdowns. They have enough cash to operate Wikipedia for more than 100 years, according to public IRS filings. So the highest number here, the highest level executive gets 800k a year, followed by the next level. There's eight people here, 500k, 400k, 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 350k, 350k, 350k. Wikipedia is one of the top 10 most visited websites on the planet. It's sometimes in top five. Understand it's like nowhere close to Google or YouTube or whatever. It's really high up there. And seeing numbers like this, I'm like, that's not a lot of money. That is a lot of money, but within the context of you being an executive for one of the biggest websites of all time, it's like, that's not a lot of money. I, I know it may not seem like it, but being an executive of a company, of, of a global company that size, that needs to run globally like that, it'd be a very hard job. And you don't want someone ill-suited or incompetent in that position. And the sort of person who would be qualified to be in that position would be someone who would necessitate a premium. Wikipedia, I know a lot of people don't like it, but the reasons why they don't like it are dumb. I'm sorry. People are like, it's biased. I'm like, okay, point me to a website that isn't biased. Wikipedia has more controls in place to control for bias than anywhere else on the internet. They have stupid sources. I'm like, yeah, what website doesn't? There is, there is nothing you can criticize Wikipedia for that overwhelming majority of websites are not infinitely worse at. Wikipedia, you can see who's making changes, why you can revert changes. People have to source things. Like it's up to you to then look at the sources to see if they're accurate. But Wikipedia is like the first stop in any sort of investigation that you want to make on a, on a topic. If you've got five seconds to learn about something, Wikipedia is the place that you go. The reason why Wikipedia was so dismissed, downplayed, and, and people said when you're in school, don't use Wikipedia, is because teachers didn't want people just copying Wikipedia. They wanted people to do their own research to learn things, because you learn through the process of research. If all you did was go to Wikipedia and copy-paste it, or just use their sources, you don't learn how to find information for yourself, you don't learn how to write things yourself, you're just copying Wikipedia. But people confused that the need to actually actually teach people things through investigation with a, a with a reason to dismiss Wikipedia as a whole. There's no reason to do that. I know everyone has their story where they're like, I was on Wikipedia, I found this page, I'm so certain that this particular thing was nothing but bias, nothing but bullshit, that, that exists in every part of the internet. Wikipedia is free, has no ads, doesn't ask for subscriptions. It is one of the few good websites left. For this amount of money, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, so we stand. Wikipedia here, okay? I will accept wholeheartedly all the criticisms, the valid ones of Wikipedia. Then I will throw them back in your face and say all of those apply everywhere else as well. <laughs> any website run by any amount of people will always have some possibility of bias, of manipulation, of hierarchies being introduced where certain people have too much power, all that jazz. But Wikipedia seems to be the best despite those tendencies always existing where people work together to put information together, what have you. And to be clear, the opinion that I have here was the majority opinion, right? So like this tweet that I am, I'm talking about here, it got 5K likes. And just looking at the quote tweets, this is 125,000 likes. Wikipedia is one of the most visited sites on the internet, contains terabytes of information, doesn't host ads, and is entirely free to browse. Do you really think I care if some dudes are making money off it? And to be clear, they're making a lot of money, but relative to that position in any comparable website, they're making peanuts. 
The CEO of the most important website in history makes $790,000. The CEO of DocuSign, a company that just signs documents for you, made 85 million this year. Is that true? Well, I mean, if it isn't true, it is being reported. That I can Google and find people making the same claim doesn't necessarily make it true, but this person isn't pulling this out of their ass, is what I'm saying. Okay, yeah, it says here as well, uh, Alan Feigerson, that's nuts. That comparison makes it even more obvious, you know. GTA 5 is the hardest game to buy on Xbox. So I recently bought Grand Theft Auto 5 for my Xbox Series X, and I think I bought the incorrect thing twice. And the reason for this is, I, I can't show you my Xbox right now, but I'll show you on the Xbox.com website. There are six copies of Grand Theft Auto 5. So one is the Xbox Series X and S. One is also the Xbox Series X and S, but what is it, cl cloud gaming or something? And you can choose multiple different editions, some with Game Pass, some without. So each one has multiple different ones. You can get the Xbox One and the Xbox Series X and S version of the GTA 5, or you can just get it by itself. But there's also GTA 5 Story Mode, but how? But Story Mode is different from GTA 5. And there's another one. You also choose editions with this as well. I don't know if this is any the same as these ones. And then there's another thing, which is GTA Online. But like, GTA Online could also come with GTA 5, but you can also get the Xbox One and Xbox Series X and S X version of that as well. But why would you want that? Why would you want like the older version and the newer version still? And there's also this version, which itself has a drop down of seven different types, because sometimes it comes with shark cards in bundles, other times not. This premium edition isn't premium. It's, it's the Xbox One version. This is the Xbox One version, but you can buy it bundled with the other version. So despite it being the Xbox One version, you can buy it as the, the Xbox Series version. And then there's another one here that's a premium version, which as we just said, isn't premium at all. It's actually the older version. And I'm just like, why? So I believe I ended up buying just the story for Xbox One, I refunded it. Then I bought just the story of the Xbox Series X. And then realizing I actually wanted the GT Online, I bought the GT Online, but I think it also came bundled with the Xbox Series X version. So I think I might've bought the story mode twice and the online once. So uh, this is all dumb. Don't you have PlayStation 5, GTA 5 ready? Yes, but I much prefer the Xbox controller than I do the PlayStation controller. If I'm going to practice on control uh, on console, I want to practice with the Xbox version because that's probably what I'm going to use for GTA 6 when it's only out on console. Also, if I ever end up doing the thing with Fail Race one day, survive the hunt or whatever, I need my Xbox account for that. Also, when I did my challenge to kill a cougar in GTA Online, only available on console, they, they're not adding animals to PC GTA Online. I wanted to start with making my character to, I know, not exactly pad out the the challenge, but I had, for the other reasons that I listed, I already wanted to make an Xbox account. So I'm like, oh, well, I, I have a reason to actually play the game to do this challenge. I may as well make a new character while I'm there. So for all those reasons, it made sense to get the Xbox version rather than just use the PlayStation 5 version, which I already had from when the Expand Enhance came to console. I did it on PlayStation 5 so long ago. If you want to check out those videos, feel free. Long story short, Microsoft uh, fucking up. YouTube creators can give free memberships to the most active viewers. Interesting new feature for YouTube from Zach Boosie. YouTube now allows creators to gift 10 memberships to their most engaged viewers every month for free. What? For free? Membership tier must be under $5. Gifted in bundles of five. Creators do not earn money from them. I mean, honestly, even not earning money from them, I still think that's pretty cool. Surely that's $5 and below. Are my memberships on YouTube $4.99 or $5? And it says starting today. That means I should be able to find it. It's a $4.99. Okay, so we're good. Oh, currently not available for brand accounts. I think I'm a brand account. I am a brand account. So I don't get this. That sucks. <laughs> 
Well, I'm sure they'll put it out to brand accounts eventually. Still, I think this is a good policy. Like it was obviously the case that on Twitch, Prime memberships was in pass what made the culture of being subs more acceptable. So for those who don't know, a Prime sub on Twitch is a free subscription that you get that you can give any person on Twitch once a month if you're an Amazon Prime member. There's like a perk that you get with that service. Like, as I often say, I have a similar amount of viewers on YouTube and Twitch. The amount of people who are willing to pay for membership is very different on both platforms. Actually, let, me have, let me have a look here. Let's see the direct amount of paid members that I have on YouTube. Not Prime, not gifted subs. I'll actually give you the numbers. In the last 30 days, I made $5,500 off Prime subs, $4,300 off paid subs, and $2,100 off gifted subs. So Prime subs are, what's that, like 50% more, 55% or something, and paid subs are like 40% or whatever. What I'm saying is that probably means that I've got like 2,000 paid subs. You've got something like 2,000. And on YouTube, I've got like 500. It's like four times as many people pay for subscriptions on Twitch than on YouTube. And I think in a large part, it's a difference of culture, not simply a difference of benefit. Although, because I've been on Twitch for a lot longer, I've had time to build up and find people who are willing to support me for five bucks a month or who find the benefits beneficial enough. Um, and their subs have continued for many, many years. YouTube hasn't had time to do that yet. With that being said, the reason I bring this up is because I think this sort of thing, having more people have memberships will more inspire that culture of seeing memberships as a more acceptable thing, a, a more normal thing. More people using the benefits, like using emotes and stuff, will inspire more people to sign up for memberships. So this is just all a smart move, as far as I'm concerned. Especially, it's a nice thing to do for the people who are your most engaged viewers. I wish Twish had something similar. Like, hey, give, gift a, like, even if I had to pay for it, gift a sub to your most, your 10 most engaged viewers. I would pay money for that. People would just be spamming chat. I guess that's true. Although, I mean, we, we'd remove people who spammed. Think it's a good change. W for YouTube. My thoughts on the latest GC Online DLC. So the new DLC for GC Online came out, having Yusuf from GTA 4, a character that uh, I once called my favorite character in all of GTA, certainly my favorite side character. And of the DLC, I said, the portrayal of Yusuf in GT Online is very true to GTA 4. His dialogue is also quite funny, having the best character introduction I can recall. I just wish he had been more involved in the missions we are given rather than his very Gen Z cousin. His, I believe it's his cousin, keeps making all these uh, Gen Z references for real, for real. Which I don't hate, to be honest. I think the character make, it makes sense as a character. It's a little bit cringy, but having a cringe character, I think is fine. It's just Yusuf was funny and his voice is cool and he's a cool character. It just felt, felt underutilized. More brought back to inspire some interest and hype for a fairly mid DLC rather than them bringing him back because they had a lot of stuff they wanted to do with the character. You think Yusuf is cringy? Everyone has different tastes, but I, I find him hilarious. I think it's meant to be a parody of the millennial humor from the new Saints Row. It's not millennial humor. I'm in my 30s. Mill millennials have like two kids and they're like upper middle management or whatever, you know? Things I'm not, but like, you know, millennials aren't kids. <laughs> Oldest Gen Z is 26, yeah. The DLC as a totality was not particularly amazing. I do hope they're going to bring Michael back in another DLC. They still have time before GTA 6. Um, someone said here, best return since Franklin so far. I disregarded Franklin and his DLC in my assessment because I guess it was his first time in GTA Online. But Yusuf wasn't in GTA 5, GTA Online at all. So he was being introduced as a character. Yeah, so I would say Yusuf, the best character introduction I can recall. Answering your most interesting questions. Is it possible that competitors to Twitch offer a better live streaming service to the extent that people actually en masse move from Twitch? I can't conceive of 
what they could possibly offer that would really improve the live streaming experience enough for people to really want to move over. Outside of everyone just getting ridiculously more, more money. Like right now, I could have a Twitch-like service and just give everyone on the platform five years worth of revenue and they would all move and I would effectively buy the platform. Would that even be enough to move the audience with them? I suspect at that point it probably would. The story of that would be so monumental. Everyone would just be talking about it, but it would cost billions of dollars. If I'm willing to do that, then I may as well just buy Twitch. The amount of money that that would be worth, it would just make more sense to buy Twitch at that point. Beyond that, if I had some idea to make live streaming substantially better than it is, like other people would have already had that idea and they'd probably be implementing it right now. Live streaming at the end of the day is a fairly simple thing. I turn on the camera, I go, hey guys, and you guys watch me. It is all other forms of media, but live. It's like improv that you see at a comedy show, but at home. It's not an, a really, really complicated thing. How it's delivered is complicated in terms of the networks and all that jazz. Well, it's to some degree it's complicated and how it can be improved and compression and all that jazz. But the, 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 the service that is being offered, pretty simple. Hard to really improve once it gets to a certain point of quality. Like the difference between a 1080p 60fps stream with say 12k bitrate is not that much significantly different from a 4k stream with 40k bitrate or something. There's it's diminishing returns on quality. You can offer a better, better visual experience, but as far as social media is concerned, the best place to be is usually the place where all the people are. And once all the people are there, that's where everyone goes. And they keep, keep going there, keeping all the people there. And it's very hard to break that cycle of people just continuously going where everyone is, more and more people stacking there, causing more people to come there. And that just stays, uh, you know, in a, in a cycle. The majority of the viewers on Twitch, the majority of creators are on Twitch. And so that's where the majority of new viewers are going to go and the majority of new creators are going to go. Do I think multi-streaming is going to help or hurt Twitch? Like as in, do I think over the long term, do I think Twitch is in trouble? I do think to some extent it is, but that's only because Twitch is so much dependent upon outside sources of exposure to bring new viewers to the platform. As these other social media platforms started to offer their own forms of live streaming, it, it's made it harder and harder to bring new people in. But I like, I'd be surprised if 10 years from now, Twitch is still not the biggest live streaming platform. I mean, as far as YouTube is concerned, every second day, I seem to have a different discovery of some service or a, a, a user interface thing or whatever that, that YouTube doesn't have that they really should have. For example, I don't run ads right now on YouTube for my live streams. This isn't because I wouldn't run ads if I, I could, but in OBS, I can change like the title, the description, whether it's for kids, I can change the thumbnail, I can do all that, but there's no ad changing thing in here. So if I wanna turn on ads, I have to set up everything on in OBS and then go to my desktop, open YouTube, go go into the individual live stream. I can't even set a default to have ads turned on. And, and I have to turn it on for the individual stream and then close it all again. I just never can be bothered. I, I've mentioned this to my YouTube rep and he's like, trust me, they care, they're working on it. But like the poor user interface has been that way for a long time on YouTube and they just don't care. To bring it all back. I'm not sure what competitors could really offer to disrupt Twitch's dominance of the market that exists because they have the majority of the viewers and they have the majority of the creators. But it doesn't seem like anyone has an idea, any ideas of how to do that. And even those who exist in the space don't seem to be putting much effort into even having a comparable experience, you know. YouTube's unlimited bitrate for streams is going to be a big factor though. If they can get their ad revenue figured out, Twitch is going to start allowing more bitrate. Are you saying YouTube has an advantage right now because they have effectively unlimited bitrate that they allow? I mean, they don't think they don't think they allow unlimited, but they allow a much higher one. 
amount of bitrate, but YouTube compresses far more than Twitch does. And so the exact quality difference isn't that extreme. And certainly if YouTube all of a sudden got every single creator, like the millions of creators on Twitch to move over to YouTube and they all started doing 4K streams at 40K bitrate, I think you'd find that they probably would also try to clamp down on that. <laughs> on Twitch, you know, 99.99% of the live streams make them no money. And Twitch being the dominant large platform, it's usually the place that people go first, who start trying out on first, to, they run their high bitrate streams and make no money. If, if YouTube became the new default, then they would start having all those costs as well and would probably be more interested in, in clamping that stuff down. Like there's a lot fewer live streams on YouTube and so their, their live stream costs are uh, not as high. Do you feel that your time as a speedrunner, where you play games as quickly as possible, has impacted your ability to enjoy playing games as at a normal pace? Has speedrunning affected how you view games in general? No. Content creation has changed my willingness to spend time just faffing around in video games and not pursuing particular goals. Most of my gaming is done on stream, and I can recognize when what's happening is not particularly engaging or boring. And I can sometimes feel awkward doing that because I want to be doing things to be entertaining for you guys. Even though I recognize as we talk about how a lot of what streaming is is just being chill or whatever. Um, but certainly for the YouTube audience, I, I need to be doing stuff, you know. And so I can get frustrated sometimes if I'm not being entertaining or, or, or pursuing particular goals. But like, I play poker in my private time off stream. And poker is, you know, a pretty solo game. I will patiently wait for the perfect hands and, and, and play optimally and stuff like that. I, the games that I play casually, not caring about the content, I, I still play pretty slow and I explore and stuff and I play tower defense games. I'm perfectly willing to play games at a slow pace as long as I'm not bored. As someone who prefers to make hour plus long content, what would you say should be the amount of people I should reasonably expect to make it to the end of the video? There's no one answer to that question. Like a one hour video is different from a three hour video, right? Let me look at my most recent chaos. So like I can tell you, this isn't very good. Only 20% getting to the end of an hour and a half video. It's not unexpected, but that's not very good. My chaos episodes have not uh, been doing amazingly well for quite a while, but they're fairly easy to make and I enjoy making them, so I'm gonna keep making them. Michael video is 49 minutes. Even that, 25% got to the end. And that got almost a million views. So my mission tier list, 25% also got to the end. I mean, it does show a graph of the the usual for the percentage that stays that long. Yeah, so I guess around an hour, maybe 25% is my normal. You can see like here, this gray, either side of this, this is like the normal amount, little area here. But obviously shorter videos are far more likely for people to stay for the entire thing. Let's see, uh, so this video was 17 minutes and like 50% got to the end. And 50% is, is pretty good. I mean, it's not amazing though. Like I've had some that have been at like 66%. It's just with every minute a video goes on, even if you have the most absolutely engaging, perfect content imaginable, it just increases the likelihood that people are gonna need to go do other stuff, potentially. <laughs> they gotta go to dinner or go to school or go to work or what have you. Even if your content was perfect, the real life variables surrounding people engaging with entertainment that is not the most important thing in their life, those are just gonna more and more rear their head as the video goes on. I'm not saying you couldn't make, say, a two hour video that had a 50% retention, but I'd be very, surprised to see it. The more that time goes on, the more that people watch the video, the more they're likely to have their fill or have their needs met or want to move on to other things. Do those numbers track if someone finishes the video within the next few days? I have no way of knowing that. I don't know if it tracks if you come back or not. I'm just happy people watch it all.
Congratulations, you've reached the end of the video. As a reward, you get to hit the like and subscribe button. Thank you for watching, and I wish you all the best.